This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. Welcome back to the Collector Car Podcast, my auto enthusiast friends. All right, for this episode, I am going to review some of the cars that are coming up for auction in Arizona. This will not just be RM Sotheby's. I will capture a few of the other cool cars coming from Barrett-Jackson, Bonhams, and Gooding. Now, not all of the information is currently posted for some of these auction houses, so some of it will be somewhat limited. But I do want to review some of these really cool, incredible cars. So let's start with RM Sotheby's. Uh, You are listening to this on a Thursday, and it's a week from today that the auction actually occurs. So next Thursday night at the Biltmore, a wonderful establishment. I will say RM Sotheby's does get the best venues for their auctions. Okay, first I'm going to cover from RM Sotheby's the Tenenbaum Collection. Now, this is a really great collection, mostly of Porsches, but really just high-end, cutting-edge German sports cars. All right, there are eight cars in this collection. I'm just going to run through them real quick because they're pretty slick. Uh, let's see, let's start with some early Mercedes-Benz, a 1970 Mercedes-Benz 280SL Pagoda. Those are the nice little two-seaters. Um, that have really gone on, gone up recently, surprisingly, in the marketplace. This one's estimated sixty to eighty grand, which is what they p- typically sell for. So I'm curious to see if it goes above that. The next one is a sister car to that. It's actually the 1971 Mercedes-Benz 280 SE 3.5 Cabriolet. So the nice big four-seater convertible. This estimate is three hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And then the third Mercedes in this group is one that I think everybody should buy right now because they're never going to go down again. The 2011 Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG Coupe. This is the modern version of the Gullwing. Estimate on this car is 225 to 275 And like I said, they are never going to go down again. Now, the convertible version of that car, uh, that one, you know, those have been appreciating along with the Gullwing. I don't think they're as bulletproof uh, valuation-wise, as the Gullwings. Gullwings are just so iconic, and uh, they haven't made them since 1950s. So get those while you can. All right, let's move into some Porsches. A really rare one is the 1989 Porsche 911 Turbo Flatnose Targa. 
you can take those or leave those. I know some people love them, some people hate them. I'm kind of in between. I'm starting to like them more as I see more of them. The estimate on this car is three hundred and fifty to four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The next one's a nineteen ninety-four Porsche nine eleven Turbo S, another flat nose, but not a Targa. Now this is apparently an extremely rare version. This one's the estimate on this one is eight hundred to one point one million dollars. Wow. It's a lot of money for a Porsche from the 1990s. And then the next one's a 1987 Porsche 959, estimate 1.2 to 1.5. And if you listen to my episode a couple weeks ago, the most valuable Porsches of all time, the 959s are really on a tear right now going up in value. This one has a pretty accurate estimate, 1.2 to 1.5. And then two more big hitters on the list here, the 2005 Porsche Carrera GT, estimate 1 to 1.3. Those have basically doubled in price over the last four to five years. And then you've got the big Porsche 918 from 2005. Estimate is 1.2 to 1.4. I don't believe this is the Visoc. And I'm curious to see how these are performing in the marketplace. The Visocs have been strong. And if you caught my bull market list from a couple weeks ago, you'll know that I missed out on those. I called the 2005 hypercars, the Porsche 918, the McLaren P1, and the Ferrari LaFerrari, I thought those would decline in value just because I thought they had peaked. Uh, no, that is not correct. They uh, they went down briefly, but now all three of them are appreciating in the marketplace. Okay, let's move on to some of the cool star cars at the Arizona auction. The big star car is the 1955 Mercedes-Benz 300 SL, the Gullwing, the original. But this is one of the 29, I believe, alloy cars now, the estimate on this is 7 to $9 million. Now, a couple of the bullet points here. It's one of the very few alloy cars to retain its numbers-matching 3-liter NSL engine in original alloy body. And it's silver gray with blue garbadine fabric and blue vinyl interior. Pretty cool. Uh, so that's a very rare car. It does come with the Rudge wheels, which adds typically fifty to $75,000 on the price of the car. Now, the next one is a 1931 Duesenberg Model J Tourster. Uh, this estimate is $2.75 to $3.25 million. Now, this is just one of eight authentic Durham Roadsters. Retains its original chassis, firewall, engine, and coachwork, which is pretty rare in these Duesenbergs. And that was actually restored by RM Auto Restorations. Next is a 1971 Ferrari 365 GTS for Daytona Spider. Now, this is a real Spider. They only made 121 Spiders, and this is the 31st of 120 examples built. Estimate on this one is 2.4 to 2.8, which is really fascinating because depending on the car, sometimes the convertible is worth less than the coupe or hardtop. A great example are Porsches, typically the 911 non-convertible is worth more than the convertible. Now, in this case, because I only made 121 of them, the convertible is worth approximately four times as much as the coupe, which is why you've seen some cut. They're called cut Daytona Spiders. Coupe that the top was removed, and it depends on who removed the top and when they did it uh, as far as the value. They'll never be worth as much as an original, but they are worth more than the coupes. All right, this is one of only 14 finished in Argento Metalizzato. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly or not, but it's a cool factory color combination. Okay, next is the 1965 Ferrari 275 GTB. This is one of the prettiest cars in the world. Estimate on this is $1.5 to $2 million. One of approximately 250 short-nosed examples and retains its number-matching V12 engine. 
It was owned by the same person for 36 years. Pretty cool. Beautiful car. Next is a 1988 Sinta Marauder. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but it's a V16 crazy car. Estimates 9 to $1.2 million. This is a car, if you were to look at it, we had one at Arizona last year. It looks like a kind of almost like a stretched Diablo, and it has quad headlights instead of dual headlights. And it's from the same designer, I believe, that designed the Diablo. And this is the only one that is named with the Moroder as well, who was the initial investor. So I think of the original cars, they made 11. This is the prototype car, chassis number one. It was displayed at the 1989 Los Angeles and Geneva Motor Shows. It was restored by Canapa in 2018. Uh, So it's a fully functional prototype with significant differences from the production model. Now, the production model, like I said, I think they only made 11 of them. So those are pretty rare. But it's crazy to see because it's got a V16 in the back turned sideways, which is really pretty insane. So if you get a chance, go to the website, check it out. Uh, Let's see. The next one is a 1971 Iso Grifo 7-liter Series 2. The estimate on this one is five hundred dollars to six hundred thousand dollars. I'm actually in love with this car. I've always kind of liked them, but any of the European designed cars that have American powertrains, I think are pretty cool. Now this is exceedingly rare and desirable in the ESO Grifo configuration with the seven liter Chevrolet engine. So I'm assuming that would be the four twenty seven Corvette engine with a five speed manual transmission. Uh let's see, it was retained by the same family from new until two thousand eighteen. It's the third of only four Series 2 examples fitted with a 7-liter engine. So big, bad, beautiful, absolutely stunning car. We've had quite a few of these come through. Typically, they trade in the 350 to 425 uh, range, but they are going up, which is probably why this estimate is 500 to 600, along with the 7-liter engine. Let's see next is the 2012 Lexus LFA, 650 to 750. Now, this is not the Nürburgring. Those have eclipsed 1.2, 1.3, even 1.6 million dollars. This is the base, but this is a really cool one. It was it's white with like a pumpkin interior, which I wouldn't go for initially, but man, when you see it in person, it is absolutely gorgeous. Now the thing about the LFAs is they have that glorious 4.8 V10 engine, 552 horsepower, and a six-speed automated manual transmission. I know someone locally that has one of those, and the thing he doesn't like about it is that because of all the electronics, it takes kind of forever for it to warm up to where he can drive it, which I find pretty fascinating. I need to ask him to take me for a spin in it. But his is a gorgeous red on red. Okay, next is a 1963 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray Fuelie Coupe. This estimate's 175 to 225. I picked this one. I mean, it's a split window, which are pretty cool. They're rare. Nobody wanted them back in 1963, which is why there was no longer a split window in 1964. But now everybody wants them. I picked this one not because it's a fuel that's really cool, not because it's a four-speed, that's really cool, but because of the color combination. It's a gorgeous Sebring silver over red interior, absolutely gorgeous color combo. The Europeans do that color combo fantastically. Is that even a word? I don't know. But they do it to a high level. There's a lot of silver with red interior European cars that look amazing. It's rare that you see it on an American car, much less a Corvette. So great color combinations. And then the last one I'll cover for RM Sotheby's is a 1951 Porsche 356 split window coupe. Uh, you don't see these split windows that often. It's it's an early outstanding award-winning example. 
Uh, estimate on this is five fifty to six hundred thousand dollars. Apparently, they only made seven hundred and forty nine pre-A five digit Ruder coupes. Uh, that's pretty specific. Original colors. So this is just a really cool early three fifty six split window. You don't see them that often. I mean, the first year of the 356 was the 1948 Gamoon Porsche, so this is only three years into the production. Very early, cool cars. All right, next, let's move to Barrett-Jackson. I'm just picking three cars from Barrett-Jackson that kind of caught my eye. Uh, pretty much three cars from the other auction houses that caught my eye. Barrett-Jackson is pretty interesting. I mean, it's a lot of muscle cars. It's a lot of resto mods. You know, a lot of the stuff at Barrett you see every day. Uh, still really cool stuff. I'd love to have any of it in my garage. So it was kind of hard to pick out something that was truly interesting and special. But I did find three. Uh, let's see. So, well, actually, two cars and one that's not even a car, which is very interesting. The first one is a 1987 Buick Grand National. It's a Fast and Furious movie car. I just picked this because Grand Nationals are iconic. Uh, this car was used in the Fast and Furious movie. Uh, it's one of two remaining movie cars after production ended with the other being made to drive in reverse. So it is powered by its turbocharged 3.8 liter engine, made it to an automatic transmission. This movie car was customized with a fake passenger seat attached to the roll cage, and it was customized so someone could stand on the floorboard. This was done so that actress Michelle Rodriguez could crawl out the window onto the hood of the car. It was fitted with Wilwood brakes. A few, I don't know if you could drive it on the street. I'm assuming you could. It sounds like you could. Uh, but that's pretty cool. You know, these Fast and Furious cars have gone through the roof, especially the ones that were owned by Paul Walker and his personal collection. We had like the five BMW lightweight sell recently for record prices. I'm just curious to see the impact of the Fast and the Furious on not a star car or a hero car, but one that was in the movie briefly. Uh, while I'm talking about it, actually, there is another Buick Grand National. I believe it's at Barrett-Jackson. And apparently it was the very last one made. It wasn't a GNX version, but it was the very last Buick Grand National made. And apparently the couple that bought it new are the ones that are selling it. And when they picked it up at the factory, they had all of the line workers sign the car, which is pretty cool. And then they put it, I think, in their living room where it stayed forever. Maybe it wasn't in their living room, but it only has like 30 miles on it. It's the very last Buick Grand National ever made. I want to say the estimate is something crazy, like $500,000 which to me is insane. I mean, if a, a mint, no-mileage Buick Grand National is selling for $150,000 because it's the last one, does that triple the value? I don't think so. So I'm curious to see what that one does. Uh, there is, actually, I'm just going to kind of talk about a few other cars I forgot about here. All right, so there is a 1965 Shelby GT350, one of my favorite cars, at Bear Jackson. I'm just curious to see what that one sells for. Those are very rare, only 562 of those built. Curious to see if what the market trend will be on that car. And then there is a cool 1974 Mustang 428 Super Cobra Jet convertible pace car. I've seen this car in Mustang Monthly like 20 years ago. It's one of 10 cars that were ordered from American Raceway International for their pace cars. They had five convertibles built. Uh, so there's this is one of five. If you just take the fact that it's a big block Super Cobra Jet convertible, I believe in 1970, Ford only made about 30 or 40 of those. So that's a rare beast to begin with. And then you add in the pace car aspect of it. You know, Barrett doesn't really give estimates. I'm curious to see what this one sells for. Nobody really, in my mind, really cares that it was a pace car for the American Raceway International. Uh, so what do you do with the car? I don't think it would be driven. It's restored to a very high level. 
Uh, and it's a cool car, so I'm curious to see what that one sells for. And it's Grabber Green, uh, which is a cool color, but it has to be done just right. Okay, the one I'm most interested in is not actually a car at Barrett-Jackson. They are now selling a NFT, so I'm curious to see what the 2022 NFT 1978 Porsche 928 Risky Business Movie Car Elite sells for. So this is not a vehicle. So NFT stands for Non-Fungible Token. And the way I understand this, Haggerty just had a wonderful article about this that went through it. Basically, you're, you're buying the digital trail of the digital video clip of the car being sold. And so Bear Jackson, at their last, one of their most previous auctions, they sold one of these NFTs. I forgot what it was for, but it sold for like $22,000. I'm like, that's insane. So this Porsche 928, it sold for crazy money. I want to say it was $1.6 million, $1.3, because it was in the movie Risky Business. So how much would you pay for the rights to the digital video of that car being sold? That is really crazy, isn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It says here, the Risky Business Porsche sold for a record $1.98 million at the 2021 Barrett-Jackson Houston auction on September the 18th. So I'm going to read this description for you because I get a headache thinking about it. This Moto Club Spark NFT commemorates the Barrett-Jackson sale of this 1978 Porsche 928 Risky Business movie car and is available as the following Sparks. 1x illustration, 1x video, and 3x images for you to enjoy in your Motor Club digital wallet. The winning bidder of this limited edition NFT will also receive an exclusive Bear Jackson VIP Muscle Lounge ticket package for two to the 2022 or 2023 auction of their choice. Interesting. It's my understanding that the image that you're buying can be replicated. You can't sue anybody. It's the digital trail of that image that you own. So I get a headache just thinking about it. Read that article that Haggerty released recently, and it will give you a better understanding of NFTs. Okay, from Gooding, they're only doing an online sale this year. They're not physically at Arizona, and they don't have any descriptions yet. But the three cars that piqued my interest, so this will be really quick, is again, 2011 Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG Gullwing car. I'm curious to see what that one does. They have a 1966 Ford Bronco U13 Roadster. So these, this is the really rare one that has the removable doors or no doors and a convertible top or no top. I'm curious to see what that one sells for. It looks like it's a pretty original car or it was redone forever ago because you could visibly see paint chips. And then the last one at Gooding is a 1957 Porsche 356A Speedster. I'm just curious to see what that one sells for. And then lastly, we'll cover Bonhams, three cars at Bonhams that piqued my interest. A 1994 Lamborghini Diablo VT, $200,000 to $250,000. Diablos have not appreciated as much in the marketplace as the Countaches have and some of the later six-speed Murcielagos. Curious to see what that one does. The VTs are the ones to have. Uh, It's sinister black on black with red accents on the interior. Apparently, it's a low-mileage example. And then the next one's a 1967 Porsche 911 S 2.0 soft window Targa. I'm curious about that. Estimates 180 to 220. That's a desirable and rare soft window Targa top in top of the line S specifications. Matching numbers examples restored in the original exterior color of Bahama yellow. I'm not a big fan of that. It's kind of like a mustard orange yellow. 
among the rarest 911 models ever produced, a true collector's icon, and also offered with Porsche-issued Certificate of Authenticity and the Owner's Manual. And the last car I'm interested in, 1969 Mercedes-Benz 280SL, for the reasons I mentioned before. RM has won the estimate sixty dollars to $80,000. The one at Bonhams, the estimate is one seventy-five to two twenty-five. dollars Seems extremely high, but apparently it's an exquisite nut and bolt restoration recently completed by a Mark specialist. Apparently it is the quality of the restoration that is the reason for the high estimate for this car. So very curious to see what happens. So as always, thank you for listening, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.